You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. No child ever says, I want to be an addict when I grow up. Adults in bondage are frustrated, as if they're lost in a maze of a dark night. If you've been unable to break free, it's time we had a conversation about the life you have and the life you really want. It's time to start your journey. Excited to have you here today on Breaking Free as we have a conversation about addiction and the power to live whole again. If you're new with us today, we just want to welcome you, tell you we're just going to have a conversation. It's just going to be you and me and Jeremy. (laughs) How you doing, Jeremy? I'm good. I'm I'm interested to hear what, what they have to say. You're interested to hear what they have to say. So far, they've been pretty quiet. They've been pretty quiet. They've been all ears. (laughs) They've been all ears. Oh, man. We we are, in a sense, uh, Grace United Urban Ministry. We uh, work with uh, homeless people and people with addictions and all kinds of other issues in the metro Oklahoma City area and wherever else people wander to us from or we get phone calls or emails from and we're happy to have those contacts and and uh, work with people however they divinely appointment wise cross our paths today we are uh, in another episode of a series roadblocks to recovery or enemies on the road to clean and so uh, we're uh, we're going to assume in, in this particular episode that that you have uh, either got sober or you are uh, putting an effort into being sober, have experienced some degree of soberness. Uh, that doesn't mean we're limited to alcohol, that's any chemical addiction, or that is any other type of addiction. Uh, for instance, if you have a pornography addiction, you probably have a dopamine addiction, which is a chemical addiction. That's interesting. Would the same be said of like adrenaline junkies? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So uh, endorphins, uh, dopamine, uh, hormone type chemicals that your brain spits out. So we are not limited to what we think of as drugs and alcohol. We are dealing with any type of addiction that takes away your freedom and binds you up to be something that's different than what God designed for you. So here we are. Uh, We're going to talk today about ruminating and deconstructing. Those are cooking terms. Cooking terms. (laughs) Well, I have said in previous episodes that my family heritage is farming. Yeah. And so uh, ruminating to me is a dairy term. Mm-hmm. It's what a cow does when it sits out there in the field and it's it's not uh, uh, eating hay out of the out of the stall or, or the, the round uh, piece that's out in the field. It's uh, just laying down there, uh, sunning himself and, and uh, chewing and chewing and chewing. And it might be uh, chew number one, chew number two, all the way to chew number seven. <laughs> Not to be confused with Chewbacca. So, no. Uh, no. 
Uh, ruminating is, uh, is really the default mode of your brain when you are not actively engaged in a task. Did you know that? No. Uh, your brain just defaults to thinking about where you've been, what you've done, what's happened to you. It's like a recall, huh? It's recall, yes. How Good about word. that? And uh, so when, when you focus, when you become intentional, you're uh, kicking your brain out of default mode and into active thinking. Hmm. And uh, what happens uh, all too often, we've heard it a uh, thousand times if we've heard it once, mm. uh, uh, an addict will say, I'm just too much in my head. Mm -hmm. And what they're saying is I'm caught in that loop and I'm stuck in that loop and something bad's going to happen until I fall out of that loop. Mm. It's, uh, it's really a confession that, that I'm in bondage and I don't know how to change it. Mm-hmm. Um, ruminating, ruminating is is when you are in a place where you nurse and rehearse and curse. <laughs> that sounds like a pastor talking. Man, <laughs> I did sign the book as Pastor Wayne as the author of Breaking Free That's from true. Addiction. <laughs> uh, I get a kick out of uh, how many addicts tell us that that their their excuse for using is that it helps them with their anxiety. Mm. Anxiety is the, uh, the, the what if question. Mm -hmm. You know, depression is, is why me? Uh, projection is they think. Anxiety is what if? And then there's two kinds of judgment that go with that. Those are sort of the fruit of, of rumination. Hmm. And uh, so an addict will say that they use to help them with their anxiety. The problem is, is that using causes anxiety. Yeah, right. So we put ourselves in this loop that we can't get off of. Hmm. Uh, imagine if you, uh, if you would, if your shoes got stuck to the escalator step and there wasn't the little deal that kept you from going around and around. Right. You would just circle on that escalator continuously mm -hmm. until someone knocked you off. Rumination is, is sort of like being stuck to the escalator. You know, when you say it, it what immediately came to mind is that adage that uh, idle hands are the devil's workshop. Mm. And, it, and it just made me think, because you, know, you said that when we're not actively engaged in something, our mind just goes back to essentially anything that's the past, where we've been, what we've done. It's all past stuff. And so you're just processing that. So when you're, <clears throat> there's not anything apparent so far, and I'm maybe there is somewhere in here, but <laughs> there is anything for an addict, especially, there's nothing positive about that. I mean, they're not going back to go, man, wasn't it great when I spent this time doing, you know, whatever. It, it's, it's a negative thing. And so it, it, you know, talking about that loop. And, and when you, also, when you're talking about loop, I'm as an audio engineer, I think about feedback okay. and a feedback loop. And it's the same thing, right? It's uh, when you point a microphone at a speaker and the microphone is going through that speaker, the sound goes in and just gets louder and louder. You know, it's got that screaming sound that happens. It is the worst sound in the world and people try to avoid it like the plague. Yes. Because it's brutal, just like an addiction loop. Yes. It's brutal. And the only way to break the loop is to break the loop. Brutal meaning that it literally beats you up. Yes. So And damages you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, do you know that uh, 
one of the one of the primary reasons people smoke cigarettes is that they think it helps with their anxiety. Yeah. I always You've thought heard that, that was well heard that over and over, haven't you? I've heard that, yes. And I and you know, you see guys go to war and they're in, you know, combat and they start smoking. To me, I would think it would rapid like, like totally increase their anxiety. It it actually does. The reverse happens. You think yeah. it's helping your anxiety. The exact opposite is happening. As, as soon as you light up and smoke a cigarette, um, your blood pressure goes up mm. and your heart rate goes up. Right. What That's are a, signs of anxiety? Yeah, exactly. Increased blood pressure <laughs> right. and increased heart rate. Right, right. So Not to are, mention if you're addicted to it, now you your anxiety is raised because it's where am I going to get the next smoke? Yeah. Yeah. So that really makes your feedback loop yeah it, it's just amplifying itself right. over and over now now here's here's the thing uh to to give smokers a, a little bit of a of a reprieve here <laughs> what what happens is when when you're in a in a tense situation and you take a smoke break air quotes that you can't see mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> on, on the audio here when you go to take a smoke break you are removing yourself from that place of attention, so you are escaping. So from a mind standpoint, you're not having to be in a confrontation with whatever the tension is. So that's where you get this false mentality that it helps you with your anxiety. Mm. You're you're actually practicing avoidance theory. Mm -hmm. The problem is, whatever you walked away from, when you're done with that cigarette, you have to walk back into, and now you walk back into that with an increased heart rate and an increased blood pressure, which is increasing your emotional response. So your response is likely to be worse when you walk back in than it was when you walked out. Which will likely not help the situation, but rather exacerbate it. We're in a feedback loop again, aren't we? Right. So... Uh, just just one of those things. The the problem with with cigarette smoking um, that that I have, um, and and I'm not a cigarette smoker, so obviously I I may not be the most uh, uh, cordial, compassionate guy when it comes to dealing with that addiction. But regardless of what your other addictions are, almost at everybody that comes to to our house, um, into our Grace Transformation House type setting. You come do life with us as a family to to learn how to break free from addiction and get your life skills together and 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 know God is your heavenly Father, et cetera, et cetera. Get healed from your hurts. Um, uh, no matter what your other addictions are, almost everybody comes with a cigarette habit. Hmm. Almost everybody. Um, it, it's it used to be somewhat common to say, well, marijuana is a gateway drug. And I'm not sure that that's ever been true. Cigarettes are the gateway drug, mm. in, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, the the problem is is that uh, as as much as our society has has tried to uh, sort of as a whole cut down or eliminate cigarette smoking and and secondhand smoke and all those things. Um, Cigarette smoking is is what you would call an acceptable addiction to people, mm. and uh, my my view when you come to our house, how we look at it is, you you have not conquered your addictions till you've conquered all your addictions. So there is no such thing as an acceptable addiction, and uh, as long as you have an addiction 
that is an escape mechanism. Uh, you will always function uh, with a default to escape, which always will lead you to some other addiction if things get tight enough, pressured enough mm. for you. Does that make any sense? Yeah, just trading one for the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mentioned adrenaline junkies the other day, or the other day, <laughs> the other day, like three minutes ago. Um, but I, I was, there's, there's a friend of mine that, was addicted to uh, crack for years and he went to multiple recovery um, institutions. He eventually got clean and what he ended up doing is he became a runner. And so he literally, and he would say this, he traded one high for another. He became truly addicted to running to the point where it was like, I mean, as consuming as him smoking crack. Now, I don't know where, I mean, I haven't talked to him in a little while, but, uh, you know, it's funny because there are some addictions that are, to your point, socially acceptable. I was addicted to accomplishment, to to being a workaholic. You know how mm-hmm. socially acceptable being a workaholic is outside of your family? Um, <laughs> yeah. It, it's rewarded. Your, your boss loves it. Right. It's it's rewarded, man. It's it's thought of as, as a high character trait. And because, you know, we don't, we don't see the whole person, right? We compartmentalize people. And so when we see him at work, like, man, he gets the job done. That Griffin boy, I'll tell you what. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I think that's the thing. Everything's got to come down to motive. But this reminds me of exactly the Christ concept. I mean, what did Christ do when he came to earth? He, he turned the law into something that was an issue of the heart, not an issue of the practicum. Well, you know, following the law was a thing that you could do to be justified. Problem is, nobody really could follow it. I mean, they mm-hmm. could. Right, but how do you how do you look at like one of the Ten Commandments? Uh, you know, don't don't covet your neighbor's wife. Well, how do you how do you prove that? It, how do you prove covetousness? Right? I mean, you can only perceive it as the person who's doing it. Well, you can usually do nine out of the ten. Right. So I can do these nine today. This is the one I want to fail at tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> right. I can do a different set of nine. I got a different right. one I want to fail at. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's all. It's all. You, it is an issue of the heart. And so that's what Jesus basically said. He's like, look, bottom line is, guys, where's your heart? If you just look mm. at a woman with lust in your heart, you might as well yes. have committed adultery, right? That's yes. And that's that same mindset. I think the problem is, is that we we don't do that in our life. We don't weigh our ourselves against, you know, the character of Christ. What is our heart really saying and doing? I'm the only one who can know, right? I'm the only one who can know if I'm truly sold out to God. Or if I'm just living a facade, you know? Well, we, we tend to measure ourselves against others. Right. That's and, an easy and mark. Not, <laughs> and not against the pattern. And the pattern is not the law, it's Christ. Yeah. That's good. So so here's here's the five things that, that I identify uh, that are, are the result of ruminating. And uh, again, ruminating being that, that you choose something over and over. You keep going back to it, mm-hmm. uh, keep rehearsing it. Uh, one is we practice projection, which I mentioned is is they think we we give we give credence to to something being fact that that someone else we think thinks something mm-hmm. or they had a motivation they did this because and we assign a motivation to them and then we react to them based on what we projected to them without actually knowing that. 
ruminating goes goes over and over a situation until we assign roles and we assign blame and we assign motivation and then we react to that and that's living really in an imaginary world mm. um, in, a, in a psychotherapy uh, world is called cognitive distortion mm. where you no longer have an understanding of reality your reality is warped to the point that you live in an alternate reality than than what's really going on uh, depression is is the why me uh, why why does nobody like me uh, why does nobody want to help me uh, why do I always fail uh, why do bad things always happen to me it's the why me why me why me that that ultimately will cripple you and you won't be able to get out of bed in the morning and pull the covers off uh, you won't be able to jump in the shower and comb your hair and wash your face. Mm. Uh, you're just going to hide from the world because the why me monster literally overtakes you. Um, anxiety is, is that what if? Um, what, what if I would have done something different? Uh, what, what if they don't like me? Um, what, what, if, what if nobody wants to help me? Uh, what, what if I fail? And, and so, again, we're, we're living in, an, in another imaginary world, and, and we're not living in any reality of what can I do? Mm. How can I heal? How can I get better? What can I do today? Every, everything is, is a what if that, that leaves us with this increasing, I mean, you'll, you'll literally uh, be in the corner with the shakes mm. thinking about what if. Now, uh, you won't find this in a psychotherapy book, okay? Uh, but I, I have discovered there's two types of judgment that come uh, with ruminating, with rehearsing uh, what people say, what has happened, uh, traumatic events. Uh, one, you will torture yourself with self-judgment. Mm. And the result of torturing yourself with self-judgment is you will ultimately idolize others. Mm. I'm I'm always a failure. Mm -hmm. If I could just be like Jeremy, my life would be so much different. And that's that's ungodly, unrealistic, right. and untrue. Right. Uh, there's an alternate, opposite type of judgment, and that's a pride in whatever our self progress is, in which we judge others' lack. Mm. I I I did this. And I think about what I did until I'm puffed up in that. And then I begin to condescend and look at others in, in a wrong fashion. Uh, ruminating does these things, projection, depression, anxiety, and these two types of judgment. And, uh, you know, scripture says that, that we, we build up these towers in which principalities and powers rule from these towers that are built. And, and we always seem to give in the church credit to a, a devil that builds these towers. And the truth of the matter is, it's our thinking. It's our wrong thinking. It's our un-God type of thinking that, that literally builds up these towers, these places that, that are ruling us from them. And, and we have to break these thought patterns down. Every wrong thought is like putting a brick in a tower. And ultimately, the ruler within that tower rules your life 
from from that place and to break that stronghold down it, it begins with you taking control of your thoughts um which leads us to deconstruction mm. i've been excited about this when you said the word oh yeah now <clears throat> now the reason we're dealing with this today is we we've dealt with being lackadaisical uh, it, it's too hard looking at the overwhelming process. Uh, I'm not strong enough uh, looking inward towards me. Uh, as we go forward in, in this series of, of Roadblocks to Recovery, we want to narrow in each episode the, the keys to our thinking. <laughs> thinking, thinking alone is, is not the cure to addiction. Mm-hmm but it is critical to breaking addiction. Uh, there's, there's having a support system and there's getting healthy again. And there's having time for our brain to heal and there's all kinds of things. Uh, there's, there's understanding a, a relationship with God and how we're designed and knowing God's our Father who is, who is always um, at work in the midst of our situation. All those things take into account how we break into addiction. but. We want, to, we want to deal as we go forward in this uh, particular series within this podcast, um, how we think and how that affects our addiction, how it affects our life, how it affects our freedom to be who we really are and, and how we're gonna go forward in life. Deconstruction um, is, is the breakdown, the analysis, and the making of a plan of what we're gonna do from where we're at. So, if, if, if I have lost my family because I was a workaholic, mm. they, they got tired of eating supper alone. Uh, they, they got tired of, of, of not being included in decisions because I, I made all the decisions for the family. In, in, a, in a break between phone calls while I was at work and then I let them know what I decided. Uh, my, my family gets tired of that. There's no support, there's no intimacy. There's, and, and my family leaves me. Uh, I, I am stuck. I can, I, can now, I can now practice rumination or I can look at my situation and I can break down what happened. Why did that happen? When did that begin to happen? What changed in me that I was different at the end of when this happened from before this started to happen? Nothing. It was somebody else's fault. Yeah. Yeah. She was just a dirty dog to start with. Right. I mean, come on. Of course, the fact that I asked her to marry me means <laughs> I asked a dirty dog to marry me. Well, so she we're, changed. We're <laughs> she, she wasn't like that when we got married. Oh, man. No, she probably wasn't. <laughs> she probably was loving and caring and tender and compassionate. Right. Until but she figured out I was a hardcore <laughs> blank, blank, blank. <laughs> but that's really the thing, right? I mean, what you're describing there requires self-honesty. Yes. Right? Being honest with yourself and hard with yourself and say, okay, here, what you, because, you know, I see people do this all the time and I understand this. I really don't understand, but like, uh, pastors will do this, right? I mean, we count, we count noses on a Sunday morning and we count, if we have two services, you count the band twice. You know, if you, you count your, all the volunteers get counted twice. You, maybe mm -hmm. you count eyeballs, How, however you do it to what end, right? So when you walk away, you're like, look, we had, you know, 
300 people here. Well, no, you didn't. You had less than 100, but you counted people twice and you counted their eyeballs. Like, what's the goal? What, what do you gain from it? That's what I don't understand. What, do you, what does anyone gain from self-delusion other than a momentary reprieve from reality? I mean, it's the same concept of escapism, I guess. It is. It is. And, and most addiction, in, in my experience, is either to, to deal with pain, to deal with a perceived inner lack, or to deal with an escape because you can't deal with one of the other two. Mm. And so, uh, yeah, we we have to we we have to learn how to be honest with ourselves. And I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because here's here's what deconstruct. I, I told you what rum, rumination leads to mm-hmm. with the projection, depression, anxiety. Uh, deconstruction leads to transparency. Mm. We are open. We are honest, and transparency is the doorway to intimacy. Relationships get destroyed when we no longer have intimacy, when we feel people are putting on a front, a facade, uh, when they're not presenting their real self. And so um, in rumination, we lose relationships and then in deconstruction, we enable ourselves to become healthy, to have relationships. Hmm. Uh, Deconstruction uh, brings us into a place of mindfulness. Now, again, mindfulness is one of those words that that uh, some Christians will, their red flag has already gone up and that's a new age word. Um, And on certain YouTube channels, mindfulness is a new age word. But all mindfulness means is to be present in the moment. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's exactly where we need to be. We need to be present in the moment. Um, I would say, not trying to get off theologically into a rabbit trail, but, but most Christians are not living mindfulness because we're either living in the glory of some outpouring in the past mm-hmm. or we're looking forward to some vision of what life is going to be like on the other side another planet another solar system and and we have a, a real inability sometimes as believers to to be present in the moment it's it's me and god right here right now and and god what do you want to do yeah i'd call that worship I mean, yeah. you can't worship in the past and you can't worship in the future. Worship is a present tense thing, you know? It's good. And so uh, being attentive towards what God wants for us in the moment is truly worship. Mm, that's good. In the moment. Okay, so third thing that deconstruction brings us is ownership. <clears throat> and another word for ownership is self-accountability. And that's what you were bringing up earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in rumination, everything is everybody else's fault. And if you've ever dealt with an addict, an addict is never to blame. Right. It's, it's, <laughs> sort, of like, it's sort of like dealing with convicts in prison. Yeah. Nobody in prison has been wrongfully, con- has been rightfully, rightfully convicted. convicted. <laughs> yeah. Everybody is there uh, uh, wrong, wrongfully convicted in, in, in their mind. Um, and 14% of people in prison statistically are wrongfully convicted, but that's, that's another story. I'm, I'm not trying to run roughshod over someone who might even be listening in prison today sure. and is wrongfully convicted, but, but there is a lack of accountability, uh, in, in really, I think all our lives, mm-hmm. um, 
I've, I've talked in previous episodes. Uh, I had a, I had a workaholic problem because I had uh, a self worth uh, problem because things weren't good enough as a child, and uh, you know I, I'm in my late fifties really before I begin to be fully healed of that. Well, I left home at seventeen. I might be able to blame my parents for a certain piece of that. But the reality is, from 17 to 57, let's say, is 40 years under the new math. Right. And, and for 40 years, I carried a problem that I spent 17 years maybe developing, but I spent 40 years of that problem as an adult. Yeah. <laughs> and it was still mom and dad's fault. Well, of course. <laughs> Something tells me somewhere along the line, me currently walking in that workaholic self-worth can't do it good enough issue that I had is no longer on mom and dad. Mm -hmm. They might be present at the root of that. They might be present in the development of that. But once that thing bore fruit and I'm at 17 on, that is now my problem. Well, it's your problem from the day one because it's it's your problem. That's true. No matter you true. know what I mean. Like, so this is another thing that's silly to me about blame. Go ahead. Let's say you're right. Let's say everybody you blame. It's absolutely true. Now what? You're still addicted. It, it's still it's still now, only affecting you. Now we nurse and rehearse, <laughs> right? And then the cursing things. Exactly, and that's just it. I think you know, and I it's the victim right i mean we we talk about that vic victim mentality everybody gets something i realized a long time ago i was ruminating over oh. my life <laughs> <laughs> and i thought i just try to get some perspective amidst all that and i thought well here's what i do know i didn't i'm not the guy who has it the worst out of the whole planet somebody has it worse than me i know that i'm not the worst off I'm not the best off. I'm in the middle. And at any given moment, there's only two people on the planet who qualify as the worst and or the best off. And that's, we'll just say that objectively. And you're not it. Statistically, you're not it. That's right. Ever. So you're, you never have it the best and you never have it the worst. You're somewhere in the middle like everybody else. So, yeah, now move on. Let's do something from that. Okay, now you said you were ruminating, and yeah. it's not my place to correct you, but well, can I correct you? Please. It's you, your you, place. you it's your were, what you were doing is you were breaking down and analyzing. Well, so you were I started off ruminating. Okay. I started okay. off going, well, why does all this suck? And okay. It's somebody okay. else's fault. And then, then I moved to deconstruction. There you go. There you go. So, so you started off the wrong place, but, but you changed your direction. I was chewing on direction. the suckiness of my life over uh, and over again. You, you know, biblically, what we call that is repentance. We change our mind. Yeah. That's, that's good. And, uh, you know, we, we try to be uh, humorous on this podcast. And we try to be real life. We try to be uh, in, in no way ever condescending. Uh, Wayne tries. Well... I don't mind if I'm condescending, ever. <laughs> just, just, just loving, uh, in your face if necessary, but but hopefully it's not necessary. Uh, just just to be just to be real life in in with real love, 
And and here's the deal. If if you are listening today and you're you're in addiction, uh, I think it's safe to say that uh, 99.99999% of the time, you, you've got a rumination problem that is attempting with everything it has to keep you in addiction. It's trying to keep giving you an excuse to use. It's trying to to uncover and, and bring back into your present whatever the trigger is uh, that, that causes you to use. It's trying to recreate circumstances that, that were there in the original trap that got you into addiction. And so uh, all we're trying to do in this episode of this podcast is to help you understand the thinking process not of you, like we're pointing our finger at you. You think this way and, and tapping you on the chest when we do that. We're saying this is the thinking process of every human being on the face of the planet. Whether you're an addiction or you're not an addiction, you either ruminate or you deconstruct and you choose how you think. And no matter how, how much in bondage your, your mind is at this moment, that you're listening to this podcast right now. No matter how desperate you are, no matter how, how, how bound up you might be, no matter how many brain cells, not to, not to be sarcastic, but no matter how many brain cells you've lost in the course of your addiction, as long as you're alive, as long as you can fog a glass, you have the ability to choose your own thoughts. You will choose your own thoughts until you take your last breath in the physical body that you possess. And all we're trying to do in this podcast is to say, hey, listen to what rumination is, listen to what deconstruction is, understand that, that rumination is a fractured you and a reactional you and a deconstructive you is focused and intentional. And if you're gonna get out of addiction, if you're gonna be free in life, if you're gonna live life in any way that God designed and intended for you, you're gonna to have to break down, analyze, and plan to do something different. It's been a joy to be with you today. We're gonna to get into rumination and deconstruction at a deeper level find some scriptures to go with it. Right now would be a great time for you to hit the like or follow button on whatever platform you're listening and to share this podcast with somebody else. Help us get this good news that you can break free. Until next episode, love you. God bless. See you soon.